Welcome to Casual Talk Radio Podcast found at casualtalkradio.net. My name is Leister, I'm your host. Thank you for dialing in today, whether you're an existing subscriber or a new listener. We welcome everybody. Got a couple things to get out of the way first, and then we're going to get right into our topic for today. Casualtalkradio.net. That's our website. Check it out for all of our different podcast episodes, past and present. We're constantly making updates. We're refining the website experience. If you have any feedback, we'd appreciate hearing it. You can hit the contact link at the top, fill out the form, come straight to us. You can also leave us a voice message if you want to leave your thoughts on audio, and it may be played on the air. Who knows? Let's go ahead and get into our topic for today. I am not a happy camper. Something happened, really upset me. And then I didn't hear back from these jokers like I expected to, like they told me they were going to get back to me. So I may be more frustrated. So here's what happened. Personal update real fast. I have a mail house that's in a different state. I've had issues with the mail house. They started out great, and then I don't know what the heck happened. But all of a sudden, they started making screw up after screw up after screw up. So now I'm trying to get this last set of mail forwarded to me. My regular mail is forwarded to them. So I can only use FedEx or UPS. I cannot use USPS like I'd like to. They're the cheapest option. I cannot use them. So they only offer FedEx. They do not offer UPS. And I chewed them out red on the riot act for not offering UPS like everybody else does. The service they use for shipping is a third-party service. And for some reason... They discontinued FedEx, this third party, and didn't give them a reason. So because my mailhouse chose not to do UPS, I'm left stuck. I cannot get my mail. And it frustrates because it's the last mail I need to get the hell out of here. Once again, it's another delay, unreasonable delay due to incompetence. Like, that's my frustrating point. So I'm chewing them out saying, this is why you should have UPS. They said they'd get back to me today with information once it's ready to go and they could one-off do UPS. They never contacted me. It's 9 o'clock their time. They never contacted me, so I just sent them off a, a flamer. And tomorrow, if I don't hear something, it's going to be a BBB. Because I'm at the point now, this is stupid, because they chose not to use carriers that everybody else uses. And as a result, the last piece of the mail I need is sitting stuck out in another state, and I just need to get this last piece to get the hell out of here. Everything is a delay. Everything is incompetence, multiple layers of it. That's what I'm dealing with. That's why I'm upset. But to distract myself, I went to Reddit, and I was browsing for a different topic, and something came up around, I forget what it was around, but had something to do with the uh, economy and inflation and everything, And I felt it was a great opportunity for a topic to talk about because everybody struggles with it. The economy affects everybody. It's why I favor the economy with whatever candidates for any reason. If they speak about the economy and actually fixing it, they're likely to get my vote because I believe that a strong economy makes all of us stronger. I'm not a fan of all of these causes that are one-off and only cater to a small subset of people, likely young folks. I like causes that benefit everybody. I know that there's this wide push to ban, quote, farting cows, but the truth is we need a strong economy. We need the prices of things to go back down. We need to stop trying to increase the cost of things by rushing to stuff we're not ready for. So in the interim, 
until we get there. I thought it was good to share some insight from my world, given that I own two businesses and make a decent amount of money, around budget, fiscal, money management. How does one know that they're in a good spot or not? Anybody who's roughly my age or older will have recalled being told at one point that you should always have money in the bank, money for a rainy day, save for a rainy day, money in savings and, you know, CDs and all these. Banks rip you off on interest. We know this. Unless you toss crazy amounts of money in there. Because let's say you do a CD and it's $1,000. Most CDs are 5%, right? So, ooh, good 50 bucks. Yes, I understand. There's this notion of 20, 30, 40 years. Most of us don't have that long, and it shouldn't take that long to make a decent return. Most checking accounts don't pay that much. CDs are decent for anybody who's tossing a lot of money at it. Most of us are not inclined to do that. We cannot afford to leave that amount of money locked up for one year, two years, five years. So you basically go to work. You make a salary. Hopefully you can save some of it but you're going to have to pay bills. The utilities, are all, they all have to be paid. Your rent, your mortgage, your taxes, they all have to be paid. Multiple things all have to be paid. Since we know this, it's kind of silly, stupid for people who propose that you should toss everything in the bank. I'm not suggesting that you don't have something in the bank. I'm saying there's a little bit more to it because in the real world, bills have to be paid. So then the conversation's veered over to well, a hundred grand is enough to survive in the United States. I would argue that it depends on the state. If you are in certain parts of Connecticut, a hundred grand will not get you anywhere. If you're in most parts of the state of Washington, a hundred grand is not going to get you anywhere. If you're in most parts of California, Southern California, a hundred grand is not going to get you anywhere. If you're in parts of New York, a hundred grand is not going to get you anywhere. And if you're in Boston, you damn sure ain't getting anywhere with a hundred grand. Now that we have level set the reality of where a hundred grand can and cannot go, I wanted to talk a little bit further about, well, I'm in this, you know, whatever Iowa or whatever Nebraska or whatever Tennessee, how do I know for sure? What's a good salary? How do I know I'm being ripped off or not? First of all, everything I'm about to share with you is simply personal experience, personal assessment, years of having trying to come to a good middle ground about money and management and budget and all this. And it's taking a while. Don't, don't portray that it's quick and easy. It's not. Sometimes you just got to think it through and everybody's situation is different. Also, most importantly, critically important, you got to also consider I, all of my information I give you is coming from the perspective of one person pulling it off. The calculations, the methodology, the planning, the strategy, all changes when you have kids Changes if you're a dual income, changes if somebody's disabled, changes if you're taking care of somebody older. All of these are variables that nobody can account for but you. And it's important that you do think about them because nobody can say what is or isn't going to work for your situation but you. All I can provide are high-level guidelines that you'll need to, if you even care, frankly, but you'll need to tweak, modify, adjust to fit your specific situation. That's important. So without further ado, I introduce to you that rhymes what I refer to as the 50-50 fiscal four. The 50-50 fiscal four are four questions I came up with that I always want to answer no to 
in order to know that I'm in a good financial spot. If any one of them turns to a yes, I'm probably going to need to do something. Either I need to cut my spend or increase my pay. In most cases, it's going to have to be increasing the pay. I've been in situations where I've rock bottom the amount of money going out. I'm in that situation now. The money that goes out right now is pretty much critical. There are a couple of optional expenses that are really tiny, but most of my, like, you know, cell phone bill, right? And we can talk about a couple of those, but cell phone. I used to pay a boatloads for cell phone because I've had the same carrier for years, but my needs have changed. I don't need Verizon with the super high plan that I, amazing plan that I have with unlimited data anymore. Most of the time I needed that was because I was commuting to work. I no longer commute to work. If anybody tries to force me to commute to work, I tell them, screw you, because I don't need to, because I can get the work done from home, which then saves on needing any sort of mobile plan, which is why I'm so adamant pushing back when they try to force mobile phones upon me, because I don't need it. I've got a regular phone for phone calls. If I need internet, I've got my home internet. Home internet. Currently, I'm not on sufficient internet. It's good enough to talk to you. It's good enough to do my endeavors. It's certainly not optimal. The reason is because I'm trying to get the hell out of here. And in the new place, I would set up a new internet carrier, actually two of them, a primary and a backup. But generally speaking, I don't need the maximum plan necessarily, just enough to be able to do my routine things. So as I look at all these areas of optimization during 2021, when I was in the max struggle, this is where I came up with this for. And it's helped in determining if something needed to change. Now, I always have a good sense about it. If I am not making any income at all, obviously I need to fix something. But if I'm making money and I know it's not sufficient, okay, I can refer to the four and then I got to decide, well, what does that mean? Which could very well mean, by the way, going to some hotel or getting the heck out of where I'm at to stop paying rent because it's the current largest outflow of money. So it starts truly with rent and mortgage and question number one. Is the rent or mortgage payment more than 50% of what I bring in every month? It's not whether I can pay it or not. That's not the means test. The means test is, is that amount of outflow greater than 50% of the inflow? Now, I know what you're thinking. If you rent, you already know that they absolutely rip you off on rent these days. In most cases, it's at least $1,500, sometimes $2,000. And that's a lot of money to be making per month. Let's say $4,000. That's a lot of money to be making per month, close to 60 grand, yes, per year. But the truth is, ever since roughly 2008, I've made at least $60,000. So mentally, I knew, except for my period of struggle, but I've, you know, I realized, no, 60 grand is about the bare basic minimum in order to be able to sustain just to make sure the rent continues to be paid. This then talks to the whole fight for 15 and minimum wage and 30 grand a year and 40 grand a year. And that sounds good, but then is it true that people can simply live in some slum and make it work? Absolutely. It's not going to work for me. I work with very expensive equipment. Safety and security is paramount for myself. I don't intend to live in a high crime area. I never have. I don't plan to go back. So here's that question. If I can't say that I retain 50% of my inflow after rent mortgage is paid, rent or mortgage, what do I do about it? 
there's not really any cost cutting I can do because it's ultra. Now I have done situations in the past where I have moved to a different apartment complex. That's not fun either because you have to pay the moving expenses. So it's kind of a wash. I have to figure out how to get more money on whatever job I'm doing. Now, when I was full time, that was harder to do because in most cases, those companies are not inclined to pay you any more money because they're jack offs, which was why I was largely inclined to work for myself. Now that was at a point, it was easy for me to say, this is what I want per year and no problem. Then the pandemic hits. Then companies start acting stupid and putting stupid requirements and trying to treat you like a slave. So the cost, okay, is it worth being treated like a slave to make the money that I want? Sometimes, depends on your personal situation. The bottom line for me was, if I can say, I still retain 50% of my inflow, I'll deal with it until I can get into a better situation. Question number two, do I have a car payment? If I do, does that send me below, this is in addition to rent, the 50% threshold? I know what you're thinking. Car payments are high because they're ripping people off on the price of cars. I emphatically agree with you. They are grossly overpriced. I know this from personal experience on this fiasco trying to get a car over the first quarter and second quarter of this year. So I know exactly what that's all about. But it was important for me to take a step back and realize if I am stretched minimum thin to where my rent is high enough that taking on a car payment puts me beneath the 50% threshold, it affects the other two questions I'm about to regale you with, and that puts me in a false sense of security, puts me in a sense where I'm thinking everything's good and then something catastrophic happens like the pandemic, and now it's not so good. Question number three, if I need to withdraw cash at any time from an ATM up to the maximum limit allowed by my debit card in a single day, does that, in addition to the car payment, in addition to the rent payment, send me below the 50% threshold. This is not implying that I would withdraw every day. It's saying on one day, if I needed to take out the max, let's say that's $1,000. If I needed to take out the max, plus I got to pay the car payment, plus I got to pay the rent, does that all put me below the 50% threshold? Chances are for the regular average American, that answer is going to be yes by the time you get here. The reason this is important is sometimes, sometimes you something happens and you get stuck in the middle of nowhere and you'll be thankful that you got cash in your wallet or in your pocket or in your purse handy so that you can at least get food or get something. You might think, well, I could just swipe my car deep, deep, deep. That sounds good, assuming that you're dealing with a service that even accepts it. You'd be surprised. There are some that simply won't do it. I was driving through Idaho and I got stuck at a gas station and said, no cars, deep, deep. So I was grateful I was carrying cash with me. Trust me, there are still places out there that simply won't do it. It could be something like a hotel where it doesn't make sense to give your card or you're worried about your card being breached or something else. You could be in the middle of nowhere with no, with no signal, no internet. Like these are real things. How likely is it to happen? Probably not likely, but you just don't want to be caught unawares. These things happen. So I like to make sure that I can be at a point that if I needed to withdraw that much money, I could. Maybe it's as simple as you're a friend needs help and you need to give him some money and you need to get some cash out of it. I know we're in a world of Zelle and PayPal and all this garbage. The truth is 
You should always have cash readily available, in my personal opinion. You are free to do whatever you choose to do, including ignore me. The last question. If I do end up with a tax bill, which I did, would it take me more than four months to pay off that bill while still maintaining the 50% threshold? Now, this one's a tricky one because I don't think many people in America realize that everybody has a tax bill. The question is whether your tax bill is a dollar, your tax bill is negative $200, as in you get a refund, or it's higher. What this is saying is if you get a tax bill, would it take you more than four months of payments? That's assuming they'll approve you for payments. Most often they do. But let's say they you do. If you could pay it off in four months and still, so each month that segment is low enough that it does not put you over the threshold in addition to maximum withdrawal of ATM, in addition to a car payment, in addition to your rent, you're still above the 50% threshold. The reason that all four of these are important and why I target 50%, if you can take care of your housing expenses, so basically keep a roof over your head, okay, so that goes to safety, it goes to having a place to get cleaned, a place to sleep, If you can keep your car payment, that's assuming you have one, it goes to being able to go to interviews if you need a job. It goes to being able to go and get something to eat. Go take yourself to the hospital if you need to. Go see friends if you need to. If you can withdraw cash, it goes to contingency. If something happens where you simply have to have cash available because of the situation, you're equipped to be able to do so. On top of that, tax bills are, you can't predict them. You can't often prepare for them. And it's always nice to know that if you do end up with a bill, it's not going to put you in the poorhouse, poorhouse being defined as it takes you below the threshold. The threshold of 50% sounded good to me because remember, everything else has to still get paid. You still got to take care of kids if you have them. You still got to eat, I'm sure. You still got utility bills to take care of. You may have education you got to take care of. You still got to put gas in said car. You may need to do maintenance on your apartment or your home. There's all these other intangibles that come up where you always want to have at least some buffer separate and distinct from your largest expenses or largest needs. You always want to have that buffer handy, ready to go because you never know what can happen. This then, when I was in 2020 and I hired two people to work for me, I chose, I made a conscious decision to spend my extra money to pay these young folks so they could have a job and then help revitalize the business I was working at the time. It didn't work out because businesses, clients were acting stupid because of the pandemic and many of them were violating the rules and I wasn't going to do it. But that decision to pay those young folks instead of myself put me in the red. Because the clients were acting stupid, it was difficult to get new business, thus not get new income. Thus, I was way beneath that 50% threshold. By the time I realized, okay, the velocity of this is not going to work out, I'm already in late 2021. And trust me, those were tough times, tough times for sure. I was able to recoup with tap dancing. But the point is, this is where I realized I need to have that buffer threshold, even if I were to do all of the bills and everything else and still have extra loss that I can toss into an account or something. The point is, if I'm putting myself to the point where it's check to check to check, 
I'm not going to have any enough. I'm not going to have enough money to toss in the bank. I'm not going to have enough money to invest. I'm not going to have enough money for the nest egg that can account for the unknown, the uncertain. And that's what I'm saying. For me, the 50-50 fiscal four was my best way to make sure there was always enough money left over that I didn't have to worry about it. Now, this does not account for having to chase down like my contact, one of them, who didn't pay me on time and I had to send him to collections. These are the intangibles you cannot account for. If I didn't have the 50% pad, that might put me in trouble because I'm not getting paid like I need to and, you know, bills go unpaid. Fortunately, I'm in a good spot. I've got like, you know, seven months, eight months worth that carries me and options. I've got options all over the place. But my point is, maybe you don't have those options yet. Maybe you don't have the nest egg yet. Maybe you haven't built this up yet because it's never been one where you sat down and thought about it. Really thought about at least rent mortgage payment. Is it more than 50%? In addition, do you have a car payment? Does that send you below the threshold? If nothing else, those two. Because bare minimum, if you're at those two and you're stretched thin, again, consider whether something does need to change, can change. That could simply be where you work. And I know that sounds easier than I describe it. I get it. Or could simply be trying to cut costs elsewhere. Maybe sometimes that won't work. All I'm saying is I'm putting these out here for something to think about as I had to think about because I wouldn't want anybody listening to me to go through what I went through in 2021. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but hopefully any or all of those is of help to someone. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process that's coming very soon. Keep up to date with what we're doing at casualtalkradio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted, or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care, and I will see you on our next upload.